thank you for uh, joining us this morning and um, I wish you all well and uh, actually I wish you all well and your happiness and stay safe. You know, in talking with people, do they know that we're sitting like this? Did you show them? No. Oh, in this room we're sitting one, two, three, four, five people and myself in our zendo can you see the behind me is the altar and outside is um <laughs> i don't have words for what's outside you have to come see for yourself what's outside okay i've been talking to um many people through zoom lately and um you know for the most part i have to say this community is so sincere the people are so um open and honest and willing and practicing and clear and there's some pain as always you know there's some pain um, but the effort to understand that pain and the effort to um, stay connected and and touch into what is the deepest in them is um, so heartening and so profound such a profound and encouraging um, way of talking way of listening really I'm doing a lot of listening more listening than talking there are a few themes that have come up in the talking that I've been doing with people. And um, one of them is this, uh, certainly this recognition of what we're all going through, this um, human catastrophe. We're actually living through a very um, catastrophic time as individuals and as human beings and uh, a world community, which I think we all now feel, just not a bad thing. And that, that's another thing that has come up, that what's happening now, horrific though it is, and um, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but I think it's real, that there will be many people suffering through this, both in terms of health and in terms of uh, financial disruption and uh, living situations and family separations and so on. There are some, uh, as always, in everything in the, in the, if I may use the word, in the form world or in the world of relativity, there are always two sides to everything. So while we are moving through this rather um, chaotic in some way, although fundamentally I don't think so, time, there are also wonderful things that are appearing. I just read the other day that, <laughs> this is kind of funny, I think it's funny, but it's wonderful also that um, all of the shows on TV that are involved with um, medical dramas <laughs> are sending their masks and safety things and gowns and everything else i guess not ventilators because they're fake right? 
to hospitals that are dealing with the coronavirus uh, epidemic, pandemic now. And another wonderful thing actually that has happened, I think for people, is it's very clear what people's priorities are. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just was speaking with someone today who was saying that um, she's with her family, she's not with her family, she's videoing with her family. And she said, you know, she, she, she uh, noticed her mind bringing up some judgments about her family. And immediately she was thinking, really? You know, is that the most important thing that I can offer in this situation? And she um, noticed that and uh, processed that and set that aside so she could be connected with her family, which I think is a common and deeply human, uh, um, I, I'm taught, my mind was tossing between need and want, right? So we, we want to be connected in the, in the deepest way and we need, I think, in a healthy response to this event to feel connected and that we belong with other people. It's very human. And this sense of connection, you know, is, well, here we go on a tangent. <laughs> this sense of connection is, um, disconnection is the fundamental suffering of, of, uh, of what we are. So in the deepest way, we, it's not even like we're connected. We are this one wholeness that is right now manifesting the coronavirus, but also manifesting each of us in our particularity. So in the deepest way, we are both, when we have a, you know, the hardest, most attached way of being a self, an, an egoic process, the more uh, clingy we are to that delusion, the more separate we feel, the more pain we're in, and the more pain we, we cause, to other people. Um, and to me, that's a tragedy. You know, the people who cause the most harm are the people who feel the most separate from other, from life, from life. So I would suggest and I would encourage everybody in our community to continue to make an effort to stay connected to, if you want to, I, I understand BCC is having a morning and evening sittings, do that. Um, the monastery here is sending out live the well-being ceremony that we do for lunch. You can listen to that and send a name if there's somebody in particular you want to, uh, hold in that way. I understand classes are continuing. Laura did class virtually last night. And groups are also continuing. And you can form your own groups as well. Or or dyad. You know, maybe there's a practice buddy that you want to uh, stay connected with. But I think the most important thing is to feel like you're held in community. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. So we are uh, going through a time of um, 
I say. Uh, I was going to say instability. Yes, instability, but underneath the instability, deeper than instability, we're going through a time of groundlessness that we're actually able to um, touch into one of the deepest truths of, of Buddhism, which is to say that underneath this wholeness, this manifestation of emptiness, is this groundlessness that we are now in touch with. We're not in control. There's no place that is stable to stand. Everything is changing. And some people have some anxiety about that. Some people are frightened that that's the truth of things. So for people who feel that way, I have a suggestion, a little bit of a suggestion. Because um, anxiety and fear primarily is the mind throwing itself into the future, which doesn't exist. So we imagine, if, if your tendency is to imagine hell realms, then you will imagine a future that looks like that. Um, I would suggest that the most skillful thing to do in that case is to bring your mind back to the present moment, which for right now is just right here, listening to this talk, wherever you are seems to be safe, and uh, allow yourself to be held in that groundedness. Whenever you feel yourself or your mind floating away into an imagined future, bring it back to reality. And the reality is right now um, one that probably most of us don't particularly want, but because it is this way, it's actually okay. Because it is this way, it's okay. And if we resist the way things have come to be, that resistance will drive us into suffering. Whatever it is that we resist gets stronger and is a failure. You know, resisting reality is a mistake <laughs> because reality will win. <laughs> no matter what that reality is, it's safer and better to open to what actually is happening with as clear a mind as you can possibly muster. And it's from there that we respond to the world. I was sharing with uh, Ryan, my Jisha here, that I learned how to live with Katagiri, my teacher, um, who died in 89, 1989. And I was his Jisha. And, um, yeah. 
It's very interesting to be with someone who is free, has a mind who, that is free, because um, life was very simple for him, as it is. I mean, that is the truth of it. He was here, present, and took care of whatever needed to be taken care of here. And then, because everything changes, <laughs> something else happened, and he took care of that. And if that's the way you live, life is very simple. And also, you can see clearly. If you live in the present moment and imagine that there is no future, you can actually see what is happening now and respond to whatever that is in the most skillful way unclouded by the projections or the needs or the confusion that the mind habitually um, uh, brings up because, now this is a little, know, but anyway, the mind brings those habitual things up because it's the way the egoic, the habitual egoic process survives. It, 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 this is a really weird way of talking, but it, it thinks it needs to help. It thinks it needs it for you to survive. And so it brings up whatever, you know, strategy uh, you've been conditioned to use. So you can't see clearly that you're only seeing yourself that way. And that's where most people live. Most people are seeing themselves. <laughs> all the time. Well, in some way, we all see ourselves all the time because um, Yeah, so the most important thing I think now is, is that we understand that we are all right now living in a monastery. Not just the people who are here, but also you guys in the computer <laughs> over there. <laughs> because you're cloistered in your apartment or your home or your family or whatever it is, wherever it is you are, you're staying there. That's it for we don't even know how long. <laughs> and so the people I'm talking with um, kind of understand that. I don't think they necessarily use that language, but that is what's happening. And when we are in a monastic situation, it's all set up, the whole monastery is set up so that you are looking at your mind. And that's what people are doing. They are really massively practicing with what's going up, up on up here. And this is a good thing, I think. And if you need help and support in doing that, call. You know, there's a um, number of people available for practice discussion. You can call. But that's what's happening. So um, I brought a quote from the Buddha, which I will read to you. It's the first verse of the Dhammapada. Anybody, you know the Dhammapada? Dhammapada? It's the most famous book, the most popular Buddhist book. 
historically in Asian countries. They're just sayings of the Buddha. Um, simple, easy sayings to understand. And this is the first one. I'm going to read it to you. All experience is preceded by mind. Led by mind. Made by mind. Speak or act with a deluded mind and suffering follows as the cartwheel follows the ox. All experience is preceded by mind led by mind, made by mind, speak or act with a peaceful mind, and happiness follows like a never departing shadow. I'll read it again. All, because we don't believe this, even though it's simple <laughs> and it's clear as a bell, we don't believe it. But it's true. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speaker act with a deluded mind, and suffering follows as the cartwheel follows the ox. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a peaceful mind. And happiness follows like a never-departing shadow. So, given that we are in a situation that's completely groundless, in which we have no control, the first thing to do is to surrender to that truth and not resist what's happening. And then address the mind. Because that is, that is what will color your experience. That is what will create, color your experience and will produce the either the response or the reactivity that comes from that mind. So, in a monastery, one of the things that's interesting is that if you walk around with a mind that's basically quiet, there's no problem in a monastery. You just do the schedule. It's kind of easy. Somebody cooks for you. You eat. You work. You take care of what needs to be taken care of. You go to sleep. You sit a lot. You go to sleep. And there's no resistance. There's no, I want to do this. I don't want to do this. We should do this. We should do it this way or not this way. Blah, 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 blah. Who am I? Does that person like me? Should I sit next to them or not? Will they talk to me? All of that stuff is just quiet. The self-talk is not happening. So we're all now in this monastic situation and have this great opportunity finally in a very real way to, um, I was going to say, take we say take refuge, and it's also we receive refuge. I'd like right now to say we receive refuge because it's the, to me, it's the only refuge there is. We say it every morning 
We take refuge in Buddha. We take refuge in the mind of awakening. We take refuge in the mind of awakening that manifests in the world as love. We are held in that love, whether we know it or not. That is the nature, the deepest nature of our own mind is that vast knowing quality and the manifestation of that vast knowing quality as love in the world. That's why when we live that way, we live as bodhisattvas. So we take refuge in Buddha, we take refuge in our own mind, the big mind, the Buddha mind. We receive that refuge from the truth of big mind, which is here all the time. We receive that love, whether we know it or not. We don't need to be any particular way to receive that love, it's unconditioned love. The nature of that love does not prefer a daisy to a rose. So we receive that love and we take refuge in that love. We receive the mind of awakening that doesn't judge, that simply knows what is happening and we take refuge in that mind. We can, we can relax into that spacious knowing quality, into that heart. In fact, even now, let your attention drop from your mind and just let it fall down into the area of the heart. Some people have trouble with that because their heart is a little bit uh, protected. That's okay. Mine was that way for a very long time. But still, let your attention fall down into the heart chakra area. And just allow yourself to receive this unconditioned love that is our deepest nature. This is what it means to take refuge in Buddha. And the first place that that love settles is yourself. As whatever kind of individual manifestation you happen to be, no matter what you are unconditionally loved. And you can, you can feel that in the heart. And then we take refuge in the Dharma. And you know, having a, a kind of a crisis like this is um, 
helps us see the reality, the truth of the Dharma so clearly, right? The first, the first, one of the first things anyway, is that everything changes. I mean, two weeks ago, <laughs> two weeks ago, I was talking to you from BZC, everything seemed to be fine. And now so much has changed. We're all sequestered in our own little area and the world is receiving this pandemic that will cause so many people such uh, pain and suffering. Everything changes. And like I said in the beginning, we must, and I, I say must, we must stay on the page where your life is actually happening. If you don't do that, it's a catastrophe. Stay on the page where your life is actually happening. From there, we have a chance to see clearly. And you can be with the changes that are happening like a river. You know, if we are resisting this change, if we don't stay on the place where our life is actually happening, which is in this river of change, and we take a stick and drive it, you know, somewhere into the river, thinking that we're, okay, now we have some control. I am going to make this situation safe for me and everybody, and then we have some control. No. The water of this impermanence will just sweep you away at some point. So instead of like making a stick in the river, we want to be able to be able to float on the waves of these changes. And in order to do that, we need to stay present. Otherwise, we have no chance. And another thing that we can see really clearly in the teaching is that everything is dependently arisen. Some man or woman decided to it would be a good idea to uh, buy and sell this beautiful little being, a pangolin, and caught a virus. And because of that, I have to stay here. <laughs> That's how connected we are. I want to say something about that because it's such a joke. It's a joke on myself because I'm talking about the mind. So I signed up, I signed up to come here as a volunteer. I wanted to support Greg and Laura and their work and practice and BCC. I wanted to meet BCC again and stuff like that. And it was kind of joyous. I was having joy. I was volunteering to come. And then everything changed. And because I am three at risk, I'm, I'm 76, I have asthma and I just had pneumonia six months ago. I can't leave. I actually have to stay here. So my mind went from this is a joyous, you know, volunteer thing to yeah, I'm stuck here. I can't go anywhere. For no reason, you know, it's just that's what the mind does. Anyway, we're all dependently, you know, arisen and, and we can see it really clearly. 
that's why we're, you know, that's why you can't find a me inside. There's nobody there. It's just dependently co-risen, constantly changing uh, manifestation of this particularity for a very short time. And then we take refuge in Sangha. So I encourage you, like I just said before, stay connected. Rely on the Sangha. If you're in a position where you can support people, then support them. If you're in a position where you need support, call somebody. We can all get through this together. It's totally possible. And ultimately, it's totally okay. The people um, on the internet are suggesting all kinds of things that you can do. And one of the things they suggest is uh, if you can't take a walk where there's a tree, you know, watch tree shows on the, on the, on the internet or if you have a TV. Take a class that you've always wanted to take that now you have time. <laughs> and now you have time for Follow the monastic schedule with us. You won't have any time at all. <laughs> <laughs> this is a poem about um, impermanence I want to read to you. It's from a new book called The First Free Women. It's a new translation of the Tarragata, the, um, the poems of the, of the women that we chant. And we chant the women ancestors. It's fabulous, wonderful book. This one's about impermanence. I thought I'd read it to you. It's from Uttara, right? We chant Uttara. This is Uttara. She's kind of neat. And her teacher was Patachara. We chant Patachara, don't we? This is an introduction to both of them. This is Uttara talking. I asked Patachara, what is the path? Patachara said, just see all thoughts, words, and actions arising all by themselves, not from some imaginary point within. I only partly understood, but I took a seat. As the sun was setting, I saw the endless line of one thing leading to another that had brought me to the cushion that night. As the moon was coming up, I saw the arising and passing away of all things in every direction. As dawn was breaking, wisdom rose in the east and set fire to the long, dark night. But don't take my word for it. Set fire to the darkness within. I promise it's nothing you've ever seen. She was free. And I have another one. How are we doing? Almost done. Oh, we have time for questions. Good. This is from Mahapajapati. Chant Mahapajapati. Her name means protector of children. We need to read about these women. Yeah. This is us. These are us. 
This book, by the way, was translated by a man. And he was so kind. He um, asked a woman to kind of promote it because he was kind of shy. He didn't, he didn't think a guy should promote. I don't know. Anyway, that's what he thought. Sweet man. We should all get to know these women. They were, they were uh, cool. This is her poem. I know you all. I have been your mother, your son, your father, your daughter. You see me now in my final role. Kindly grandmother. It's a fine part to go out on. <laughs> you might have heard how it all began. When my sister died and I took her newborn son to raise as my own. People still ask, did you know then what he would become? What can I say? What mother doesn't see a Buddha in her child? He was such a quiet boy. The first time he reached for me, the first time I held him while he slept, how could I not know? To care for all children without exception, as though each will someday be the one to show us all the way home. This is the path. You know, I, I want, the reason I, I read this is not because I think we are all children, but inside, you know, we are children and we want to be loved and we want to be taken care of and we want to belong and we want to feel like we're okay and we want to be seen. And it's a human thing. And during this crisis, um, is that a want to say? This is what I see happening, that people are taking care of other people, that we're not making judgments, that we're connecting in a way that's real and that we need. So I would encourage you to take refuge in our practice, take refuge in the mind that you have that is Buddha, Take refuge in the teachings because they're true and they're helpful. And take refuge in the Sangha because we're all in this together. And we need each other. And it's good. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.